0: Hi I'm Molly and I'm Abigail. We're sisters and we believe in ghosts. Welcome to Supernatural
1: Sisters, a podcast all about ghostly encounters, bone-chilling monsters, and basically anything that goes bump in the night. Each week we talk about a haunted place, a legendary monster, or a story that sends shivers down our spine. And maybe we'll talk about the pottery scene from (laughs) Ghosts.
2: He's not a ghost in that scene. There are other parts of that movie where he's a ghost. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And remember, we we believe believe you. you.
3: Greetings, dear listeners. This is Tilsa Mullally, creator of the Lost Signal podcast. As of today, the Lost Signal podcast is now on Patreon. If you are able, we would love for you to support us for as little as one cup of coffee a month. Thank you. Now, enjoy tonight's episode of the Lost Signal.
1: Find other great podcasts like this one at
2: podmoth.network. Turn your dial to the edge of the radio static. There, you shall find the lost signal. Tonight's episode, entitled The Good Doctor, stars Timothy Malm, Emily Howell, and Taylor Eknis.
0: It has been a long, painful week, dear diary. I've left Burke and traveled south, finding myself in a town known as Lewiston, nestled in a valley along the mighty Snake River. I'm told that it was named after the explorer. The place is not as gallant as its namesake, though. The miners are drunk in the streets, the white ones always seemingly a liquor bottle away from driving their Chinese counterparts from town. The brothels that line the main streets are rackus and loud, and gunshots from revelers are a nightly occurrence. One could flip a coin to guess as to whether or not the bullets enter the night sky or an adversary. The night I arrived, the innkeeper, Cochrane's wife, took sick with some kind of mysterious fever. For days, she could hardly do a thing but moan, and at night, one hardly needed a fire if he stood close enough to her. Thankfully, though, the local doctor, Dr. Naismith, is well versed in fevers. He concocted a rather foul-smelling elixir in the kitchen and forced the woman to drink it. Her husband was so frayed at the nerves that he feared the doctor might choke her and had to leave the room at the sight. By the evening, though, his wife's fever had broken and she lay sleeping peacefully for the first night in days. Dr. Naismith is an old, round, fat man with an educated tone to his voice. He was quiet and patient, steady throughout his treatment of the woman, despite her husband's initial protests. The innkeeper, for his part, was eternally grateful by the end. So much so that he offered the good doctor lodging for the night, as the moonlit air was plainly sparkling with frost, and Dr. Naismith had a good eight-mile ride back home. The old man, in his quiet way, accepted the offer enthusiastically. That is, with a small smile and a handshake of gratitude. With the woman resting and her husband watching over her, and I as the only guest, I took it upon myself to fix supper for my host and the good doctor. While I prepared the stew, the doctor quietly worked at the kitchen table, writing in a notebook and nursing a glass of bourbon from a dusty bottle the innkeeper had brought out from behind a shelf, saved for a special occasion. Before long, I found myself attempting to draw out conversation with the old man. Pardon me, Dr. Naismith. Is it all right if I set your place?
3: Oh, oh my! Yes, Miss Simple, forgive me. I was rather absorbed in my case file of Mrs. Cochrane here. Your what? Case file. Every every patient I treat, I I write down the details in this book here. That that way, I have a reference to each disease I come across, and a a, a bit of a head start, if you will, on the treatment should I come across it again. You see. <laughs> I've got dozens upon dozens written here, and this is only one notebook. I've several more at home. Thanks to this, I knew right away what to give Mrs. Cochrane in order to save her life.
0: But haven't other doctors already written reference guides to the human body?
3: <laughs> of course they have, my dear, but, but very few of those doctors have been to the West, and fewer still have ever so much as heard of the diseases and infections that plague our fellow countrymen here. Surely, you must realize by now that the territories are an entirely different world, (laughs) one in which civilization has nothing more than the slimmest of footholds. (laughs) We must act accordingly and learn the rules of our new world. Have
0: the rules of this new world ever beaten you, Doctor?
3: (laughs) Yes, emphatically so. I've seen things happen to men that should only exist in the depths of a nightmare. Like what? <laughs> you, you really are a reporter. <laughs> How long until supper?
0: About half an hour.
3: All right. Come and sit with me while the stew simmers, then. I remember one case that might interest you. However, whether or not you believe it is up to you. Try me. <laughs> Very well. It was many years ago, just after the Dixie Traders were put back into their place. I had just come to the territories by train. I was young, determined, and ready to make my mark as a doctor in this unforgiving land. We were few and far between back then, even more spread out than we are now. I was quickly apprenticed in Franklin to an old sod of a man named Michaels. He was at the tail end of his career, eager to have someone take over the majority of his practice for him. As such, my early years were formed by the hands-on approach while he directed. I think that somewhat fast-tracked me into being a reliable, capable doctor that the locals soon trusted. So, when a message arrived late one December evening from the Felden homestead, a good long way from town, Urgently requesting a doctor, Michaels did not take much persuading to let me ride out myself and take care of it.
2: (coughs) Oh, thank God, Dr. Naismith! Thank you for riding out here on such short notice! It's, It's quite
1: all right, Mrs. Feldman. When duty calls, I tend to answer. Your message said that your husband, Jonathan, is down with some kind of fever?
2: Yes, uh, a horrid one. I've never seen anything like it. He's he's half crazy.
1: Calm down now. Just show me to his room.
3: Mrs. Feldman wasn't lying about her husband's condition. He seemed almost a skeleton, his eyes sunken deep into his skull and... (laughs) ringed by bags that looked more like bruises. His yellowed skin was slick with sweat, soaking the sheets, and the straw pillow his head rested on was coated with hair that had fallen from his scalp. He writhed weakly, his eyes rolled back into his head. Every ragged breath the young man took sounded as though it might be his last. I found this all the more disturbing, as it was my recollection that Jonathan Feldman was a mountain of a man.
1: Good lord. Why wasn't I called sooner?
2: Speak began only this morning, Doctor.
1: This morning? That's impossible. Nothing sets in that quickly.
2: I swear to you, that's the truth.
3: I leaned in close to examine Jonathan, touching his forehead. Despite the weak recoil from my fingers, it seemed as though the poor man wasn't aware of either my or his wife's presence. Justly so, his cranium felt hot enough to cook an egg on. Pinning him down despite his frail struggles, I lifted his shirt sleeve and felt for his pulse, finding it to be both erratic and weak. As I made to pull the sleeve back down, though, I noticed something strange on Jonathan's upper arm. A bite mark of some kind. Viciously red and inflamed.
1: Mrs. Feldman, was your husband bitten by any of your animals recently? Bitten? Yes. On his arm here. It looks like a bite mark. He,
2: uh, he, he never mentioned anything to me.
1: I see. I've got some alcohol in my <laughs> bag. Grab it for me so we
2: can- Jonathan? <laughs>
3: It took almost two hours to calm Mrs. Feldman. Even after a course of sedatives, when she did finally drift off, I found it to be remarkably late in the evening, past two in the morning. I decided that I would stay at the homestead to keep an eye on Mrs. Feldman. In the morning, I would head into town for the undertaker for Jonathan Feldman's corpse, which I had taken the liberty of wrapping in a sheet. As I lay next to the fire on a cot, though, I found that sleep evaded me, despite the fact that I desperately sought it. The case was perplexing, particularly the bite mark on Jonathan's forearm. I had treated many an animal attack in my day, and I knew the imprints of the local fauna's fangs like the back of my hand. Jonathan's bite did not fit the bill of any pig or horse or wolf or bear I'd ever seen. It was small, distinct, and flat-toothed. Plainly speaking, I was near certain that Jonathan Feldman had been bitten by a human being. The revelation begged the question, of course. Was there a madman with some kind of virus attacking farmers and homesteaders? It seemed far-fetched, but I found myself hard-pressed for another answer. The question danced around my head. Refusing to let me sleep Eventually though The sheer exhaustion won out and my consciousness collapsed Until a few hours later When I was awoken suddenly
1: Hello? Who's there? Mrs. Feldman, are you all right?
3: I crept down the hall, following the noise. I reached the room that I had put Mrs. Feldman to bed in and pressed my ear up to it, straining to hear anything that might come from inside. There was nothing, and I realized that the thumping was coming from further down, from Jonathan's room. As I drew closer, the thumping became louder and louder. My breathing became tighter as I approached, and a thin tendril of fear crept coldly up my back. Those days, as in these, I always carried a gun with me and I gripped that revolver and sweaty hands so tightly it was a miracle that it didn't slip from my fingers. I stopped just outside the door. The thumps had stopped now, but I thought just barely, I could hear a scratching from the other side. I gathered my courage, trying to bring myself to put my ear to the door when...
1: Jesus, Mrs. Feldman, what are you doing out of bed?
3: In the near pitch darkness of the hallway, all I could see of her were her eyes. They were wide and wild, and she didn't answer me right away. She only stood there and stared. When she did speak, her voice had a warble of the broken behind it.
2: Do, do you hear, Doctor? Can't you hear him? He- He's come back to me.
1: Miss, Mrs. Feldman.
2: You, you were wrong. He's fine. You, you, can't you hear him in there? He wants out.
1: Hold on. Hold on. Get
2: off of me, Jonathan. Jonathan, I'm
1: here. Mrs. Feldman.
3: Grief had given the frail little woman's strength beyond mine, and she managed to shrug me off into the wall. Her fingers scrabbled over the doorknob as she ripped it open and ran inside the room. I quickly followed. Inside the room, the only illumination came from the window where lucid white moonlight poured in, splashing over the furniture. As my eyes adjusted, I saw that the bed was empty, the stained sheet Jonathan had been wrapped in, discarded haphazardly on the floor. Mrs. Feldman stood directly in front of me, not moving. And in the corner, facing away from us, was Jonathan Feldman. Methodically, he struck his head against the wall, creating the thumps that had roused me. He, he did not seem to notice me or his wife. I watched in horror as Mrs. Feldman reached out to touch Jonathan's shoulder.
2: Jonathan! Jonathan, it's me! Sarah, darling!
1: Mrs. Feldman, don't!
3: (laughs) As I watched... Jonathan Feldman turned around and sunk his teeth into his wife's throat, holding her limp body to his own in a bear hug. Without thinking, I I raised my pistol and I fired. The, The bullet entered Mrs. Feldman's back and proceeded through her into her husband. Instead of falling, though, Jonathan unlatched from his wife, letting her fall to the floor in a crumpled heap, blood pooling around her head from the bite in her throat. His bagged eyes settled on me. Their their whites had receded entirely, leaving only two inky black marbles that glittered wetly in the dark. His blackened, bloodstained lips peeled back from his teeth as he stumbled forward towards me, reaching. The bullets did nothing to stop his approach. As he... Reached for me, his legs became entangled in his wife's corpse, sending him to the ground with a groan and a thump that seemed to unfreeze my legs. I, I turned tail and I fled. I didn't even bother to rehitch the wagon. I hopped on the back of my horse without a saddle and nearly worked that poor filly to death heading back to town. "'Hardly noticed a thing on the road, trusting the horse to remember the way in the dark. "'It was a miracle she didn't break her leg. "'It was morning when I reached Franklin. "'I thought for sure that I would be blamed for the incident, of course, "'but when I informed Dr. Michaels of what had transpired, "'I saw a flicker of something in the senile old man's eyes "'for the first time in my entire apprenticeship. "'He informed the sheriff and then instructed me "'never to mention what had become of the Feldmans again.' Still, I have a curious mind. When the posse they sent out to the Feldman homestead returned, I'd never seen so many haunted stairs. When pressed, all they would say was that they had burnt the house down. When asked of Feldman and his wife, their lips were sealed. I left Franklin shortly after that. I've never again seen a malady such as that one. I pray I never do.
0: The doctor was quiet after that. I served the stew, a rousing success in my book, and we moved on to lighter topics. Of course, he gave me permission to publish his anecdote, provided I change his name and that of the family. To protect the innocents, he said. I suppose I shall keep that promise. I simply shan't mention the changes to the editor. I'm sending this on the wire tomorrow morning, so I had better get some sleep. Until next time, dear diary. Emily Elaine Semple, 1882
2: Returning now to the edges of your radio static, this has been The Lost Signal. Thank you for tuning in tonight, dear listeners. Please, wherever you're listening, whether it be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or any other platform, please leave us a review and do not be afraid to share the static with your friends. Until next time, dear listeners, good night.